welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. It's Wednesday, August the 12th, 2020, and today we are having a good news story. You know, during this COVID-19 pandemic, we've heard so many stories of heartache and heartbreak. Uh, We've heard so many stories of infection and impact of this pandemic. But today we wanted to share with you a good news story, a story about a family, the Myers family, who were able to bring home their two children during the middle of the pandemic. I hope that today's story will give us hope amidst a pandemic, but also to see a God who is caring for the most vulnerable, the orphan, the vulnerable child, even in the midst of a global pandemic. It reminds us that our God is sovereign, that He is in control, and He is always working for our good and His glory to make His mission known here on earth. Today, we will be joined by Brooke Rowan. She is Lifeline's program manager and social worker for Haiti. She began working with Lifeline in 2017. She has a BS in psychology from UAB, and she spent a few weeks in Uganda with Compassion International during her graduate school work. She has continued to serve as a director over Mission Site with YouthWorks in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, And she just has such a desire to advocate for vulnerable children while sharing the love of Christ. And so we are grateful to be uh, able to have Brooke on this podcast, as well as Josh Caldwell, our Vice President of International Ministry. And as we know, he is passionate about Christ's name being made known to the nations. And he and his wife, Stacy have adopted two children. In 2011, they adopted their son, Moses, from Uganda. And in 2016, they adopted Richardson from Haiti. And then we're joined by the Myers family, Troy and Jimmy, and they are a lifeline family who adopted from Haiti. In September of 2013, the Myers family applied to adopt from Haiti. And at the time, they were parents of two teenage sons, Colton and Luke. They recently brought home their children, uh, Linda and Anderson from Haiti in the midst of COVID-19. And we're just so excited that this family will share more about their story story, even of how uh, Jimmy, as, as, a, as a wife um, and as a, as a mother, was called first to intercountry adoption and how Troy, as a dad, followed behind. The Myers currently reside in Idaho and are bonding and attaching beautifully with their children during this season. And before we hear from the Myers family and Brooke and Josh, I want to remind you that so far in 2020, Lifeline has served 150 families in their adoption journey. And because of the effects of COVID-19, international adoption has been impacted, slowing the process for some families, changing the travel situations for others, even altering final court hearings, turning in-person meetings into virtual meetings. But the need remains. There's still around 153 million vulnerable children in our world, and the pandemic has made them even more vulnerable in many ways. For more information about our ministry and our international adoption programs, visit lifelinechild.org backslash international adoption. Again, that's lifelinechild.org backslash international adoption or email Hannah, H-A-N-N-A-H dot Pearson, P-E-A-R-S-O-N at lifelinechild.org. Again, that's Hannah dot Pearson at lifelinechild.org. 
We are so thrilled to be joined by one of our fantastic social workers, Brooke Rowan, as well as our Vice President of International Programs, Josh Caldwell, and a sweet dear family from Idaho, Troy and Jimmy Myers, who just recently uh, were able to bring their two children home from Haiti, even during this global pandemic of COVID-19. And so we wanted to talk a little bit about the Haiti adoption process and how it has been affected by COVID, but also to hear the Myers family's testimony of their adoption from start and then to this unique finish of having their children brought home, escorted from Haiti during this pandemic. So as we start, Josh, I just want to go to you. Can you just give us an overall big picture view about the state of international adoption right now as it sits during this global pandemic? Yeah, thanks, Herbie. Um, I, I think international adoption definitely during the global pandemic has been affected directly. I think um, as we see international countries that are looking to find their own protocols and processes to how to deal with COVID-19, one of the major effects has been the process of adoption. Things like um, the slowdown of paperwork and of matches and those kind of things. But what we've seen, though, also through that, is that we have been able to advocate and to work with several governments and to even in the midst of them working from home some and um, at the beginning of the pandemic having to slow down some things we've actually seen all of those processes in many many ways kind of speed back up and get back to a state where we're seeing children being matched we're seeing um, children come home from a couple countries obviously not all the countries we work in we still have a slowdown in some travel but we have seen several children come home from Haiti which you'll hear one of those stories today but also um, children from Bulgaria and some other countries and we just heard um, this week Herbie that um, we'll see some children coming home from Latin America uh, pretty soon so we are seeing definitely a challenge through COVID-19 and just overall international adoption but we are seeing now just coming through the end of COVID. But if you look just kind of even a bigger picture of international adoption, there are still children in need of families. There are still families that are wanting to adopt. We have seen families be hesitant about moving forward, but we're here to say like we would encourage families today is a good opportunity to step forward and start the process because some of these processes do take uh, 18 months to three or four years and we want you to get involved now so that you can get through the paperwork at the beginning that you can accomplish today and we know um, that you're able to move forward and accomplish today. So the so kind of that bigger picture is yes, COVID has impacted, but we're seeing things move forward and we're encouraging families to start now the process because there are still great need for children to have families. Yeah, and even as we talk about some of those processes that can take up to three to four years, we know that Haiti is one of those processes that is more elongated. Uh, Brooke, you've been working for many years helping families, assisting families, leading the Lifeline Haiti program. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about what does the Haiti process look like overall right now? And then how has COVID specifically affected both the island nation of Haiti as well as the adoption process? Yeah, so I'd love to share um, just about the Haiti process. And I always tell my Haiti families that they are entering into a holy calling into the adoption realm. Of course, adoption is a calling for any family. Um, but Haiti is just a process that is full of ups and downs. It's a long process, but it truly is such a refining process, and it's beautiful even amidst, you know, a lot of difficulties and challenges and delays and struggles. 
Um, and the Myers family is certainly a testament to how beautiful of a story God truly can write through a process like Haiti. Um, but right now we are seeing that for families who are waiting on a referral from the central authority, IBSR, they're waiting upwards of four years before they are matched. So that doesn't count time, you know, of them being in the home study process and collecting their dossier. Um, that's from the point of their dossier entering into the CA system and then receiving a match from the central authority. So it is not for the faint of heart. It is a long process. But typically once a referral has been issued, it takes about a year to a year and a half, sometimes a little bit longer, um, depending on what bumps in the road might be hit. But it takes about that long before the child will be or children will be reunited with their families. Um, so it is a process where, you know, many times it has been slow and long under quote unquote normal circumstances. But then strangely enough, in light of COVID, um, we have seen miracle after miracle, especially for families who have a referral and who are moving toward travel. And that has just been really wild to see God um, receive so much glory from that, but then to also just see him move and um, just make a way in the wilderness, as it says in Isaiah 43, for these families, for these children to come home and be with their forever families. Um, and, you know, of course, as the months progress, we'll kind of see the implications of maybe slowdowns that will come into effect for families who are waiting on a referral because of COVID. But for families who have received a referral and who are moving forward, I mean, we've just seen that the Central Authority, IBSR, many different Haitian authorities are prioritizing adoption and prioritizing families and their children as much as they can in light of the present circumstance. Um, so that leads me to the next point, which is that, of course, COVID is um, increasing in number in the island nation of Haiti, and there are several people who are unable to work in the full extent um, that they normally do. Even the office of IBSR, they have had not a full staff as they typically do, and we've kind of heard some things that they've had some staff um, only be able to come and work certain shifts, and I know several different other Haitian authorities are kind of in the similar boat where they're not necessarily able to have their whole staff there and working the full hours as normal. Even uh, our representative, Phil Dare, who does such amazing work in, Phil Dare, in um, the country of Haiti for our Haiti adoptive families, he has been um, just having some struggles as he goes to different offices and having people be at work and be present to help. Um, but we, what we have kind of seen consistently since you know March of this year, whenever everything started happening, is that there is such a commitment by those in Haiti to continue doing work for the adoption process that even despite if something has happened and they're not able to work in full capacity, they are still um, prioritizing children and caring well for those cases in order to push them forward. And that has just been such a blessing to see because a, a lot of times with the process that's as long as Haiti, you know, it can, it can certainly have a negative outlook, I think, to people who don't understand the process and just the nature of why it is such a long process. So a couple on um, COVID and all of the difficulties that brings, and still you see this drive and this desire to help children be with families who are pursuing them in adoption. It's really a beautiful thing. Um, but of course, prayers for the country of Haiti, prayers for people who are being impacted by COVID um, to recover and be well. And of course, also prayers that it will not continue to rise um, in the way that it has over the last couple of months.
Amen. Amen. Well, Myers family, uh, just to personalize all of that for us a little bit, talk to us about how your family first came to the decision of adoption and how Haiti, uh, can you just give us a little bit of a background on how the Lord led you to adoption into Haiti? <laughs> Babe, would you like me to start? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll try to be quick, but uh, for us, uh, Jimmy, my wife, has had a burden for uh, orphans and adoption for a, a long time. And uh, she would periodically, you know, temperature check me, hey, I, I really feel like we're supposed to adopt. And uh, I said, wow, I just, I'm not feeling that, you know, but I'll, I'll check the, I'll check the email and see if God sent anything. And uh, my email box was always empty. Uh, and this went on for, for many years and uh, she, her burden remained, but she, she really wanted God to speak to me directly before we would ever move forward. Um, and then a, a few years now, a few years now backwards, we, uh, I was praying and I just had, I was kind of in a season where like, God, I, I'm, a, I'm thinking big things here and I, I'm, I feel like I'm supposed to do something big, but I'm not, it doesn't, nothing seems to be happening. What is this big thing you have in mind for me? And uh, I don't, you know, say that I hear God a lot, but he definitely impressed on me in that moment. Uh, almost instantaneously, I've given your wife her big thing and you are the, you are blocking it. Why would I give you yours? Mm. And uh, it was very convicting, very humbling. And I was like, shoot, he's right. Uh, I am. So uh, I pulled her aside later on that day and told her what God had told me. And I said, I think we're supposed to move forward and, and look into adoption. So that started our adoption journey. Um, it seems like uh, women are just more, I guess, I don't know. I, you guys could probably speak to it better, but it seems like us men are slow to, to get on the adoption train sometimes. But once we get there, we love it. But uh, I see it in church all the time, too. Wives dragging their husbands to church. and uh, Us men were just stubborn that way. But uh, I was on board. And uh, then, you know, you think, okay, we want to adopt. We feel led to adopt. Now, who and where? How do you choose? Mm -hmm. So we, we talked about it a little bit. Uh, shared it with a few of our, our close family and friends that, you know, we were, we were prayerfully considering adoption. And we said, okay, let's just spend the next 40 days kind of tuning out the noise and see if God points anything. Um, and so we just, we stopped looking, we stopped talking about it. We stopped, you know, inquiring. Um, and just little things would pop up about Haiti. We'd have uh, a friend say, oh, our, our our, our church went on a missions trip to Haiti. Uh, we'd be at the doctor's office, and the doctor would say, oh, we just did a medical trip to Haiti. We had about three or four of those things in this 40-day window. We're like, okay. And then uh, this song was created, and I'm sure you guys know it well. It's called Kings and Queens by Audio Adrenaline. And I heard it on the radio when I was driving to work, and it's obviously all about adoption. And as soon as I heard it, I go, oh, Jimmy's going to love this song. So I raced over to her office. We sit down at her computer. I said, you have to find this song. So we YouTubed it. 
and we're watching the group's video, and, and lo and behold, it is actually set in Haiti. Mm. I, okay, I get it. Uh, and I'm one of those learners, you have to hit me over the head about 10 times. You know, me and Gideon are, are tight. You know, we're, we're flipping the fleece over and over again. And uh, that was enough to convince us, okay, Haiti it is. Thank you, Lord, for picking the most difficult and one of the most expensive countries to adopt from. But, uh, you know, all the more for him to show off. And, Jimmy, can you tell us a little bit more about what that process looked like once, okay, now Troy has said, I'm on. You guys are know you're going to Haiti. Um, and I, I think it's neat because, uh, I mean, even even that, that song being set in Haiti, I know that, uh, that, that that band actually has a ministry in Haiti uh, yeah. as well. Uh, but, but talk a little bit about what the process was like in general. Once y'all have made that decision, you've applied your timeline, your match. Talk about some of the specifics from the call to the actual fleshing out of the process. Well, I think, you know, like Troy st stated, um, I think once we decided, well, what was interesting about that timing that he told me was he told me on like a Friday night and that Sunday was Orphan Sunday, the mm. following Sunday. So, you know, it's kind of, um, you know, it's funny, you know, when you buy a car, you, you think, oh, this is such a cute car. And then you see everybody else in town driving it because it's your car. And um, it, all of a sudden, everything about adoption and orphan care and everything just started flooding our inboxes. Uh, we were just hyper aware to all these things going on. And um, I think for us, it was, okay, you know, I think Troy stated, um, how do we decide? And we, we knew God has called us to adoption that, um, God, you know, who our children are. So you point us to where our children are. Mm -hmm. And, um, so once we knew it was Haiti, we just went to our local agency and said, we need to start this process. What does this look like? And so they just started walking us through different classes. We need to take different paperwork. We needed to start. And, um, we just started, really just kind of taking those steps, those necessary steps, you know, getting fingerprints um, again and again, and uh, just kind of walking through that process. And then how did we choose uh, Lifeline? And that was, we had um, quite a few friends who have adopted through Lifeline through other countries um, and they had nothing but the best things to say. And we were like, okay, we're done. So that's kind of how we made that decision. Um, but for us, it was lots of praying, lots of, um, you know, God, okay, you know who our kids are, you know what country we're supposed to adopt from. Um, show us what we need to do. You know, what does this look like? So. Yeah. And I know even your journey uh, has been long and, and uh, tedious. Uh, like you said, Troy, Haiti is certainly not one of the easier or uh, less expensive options uh, and it's tedious and, and there's a long uh, laborious process. Uh, there's a lot of weight. There's a lot of unknowns. And then one of the unknowns for you guys is, is as I understand, you were first pursuing a, a little girl, a, a daughter to bring into your home. And then you learned about siblings. Uh, talk to us about even that process of, going from pursuing a, a young daughter to now pursuing an older child uh, sibling group? Uh, in one sentence, it's Jimmy's fault. Um, 
again, the reluctant husband, I'm on board for a small child, young girl. We have two boys, uh, biological sons. So, you know, little girl makes sense. And uh, so when we were filling out paperwork and Jimmy's like, I, I think we need to be open to other things. I'm like, oh, I knew it. I knew you were going to do this. You got me in the door and now you're trying to, we're going to have a try by the time we're done. And uh, she talked about, you know, I think if you, if you check the box on special needs or some special needs, that can open the door to uh, sibling groups and, and older children. Um, I think if you boil it down to the, the purpose behind that and us checking that box as possible maybes, it was we really wanted God to lead it. We wanted God's interpretation of what our adoption process was going to be. Because if we're choosing, we're going to choose the easiest, the fastest, um, and we might miss out on something. I've missed, you know, there's been a lot of things I've gone into in my life, kicking and screaming, and turned out to be the best things that ever happened to me. Um, so I reluctantly said, okay, let's just see what happens, because in adoption, it does feel awkward that you're choosing, you know, age, sex, ethnicity. It, it's like online shopping a little bit, and it's not that way when your birth children. They come out who they are. And you have no choices. So we really wanted to leave it as open as possible. Uh, trust God in the process. It was scary for me. Um, probably not as much for Jimmy. She's like, bring them on. Let's, uh, if it's a village, let's adopt a village. That's fine. So that, that kind of led us to, to, let's just see what comes down the pike. And we definitely prayed that the first real match we had would be the ones that God intended. Because to say no to, to a child uh, would be heartbreaking. It'd have to be something pretty substantial for us to say no. So we really, really didn't want to have to have that, have to make that choice of saying no. So we just prayed, all right, God, send us who you have in mind. And I pray that you have our hearts prepared for what that is. Well, and if I can add to that, um, I, I would said say it really well. You did very well, but okay. I would just like to add more oh, okay. um, is that I think, too, is that uh, praying all through this process is that I, I know that my instinct is, as a mom is to be like, if, if we get a referral, I'm going to say, sure, we'll take them. And any cousins or any family members that want to come, we'll take them, too. So <laughs> I really I, I felt like during prior to Troy coming on board for adoption, I had just prayed, God, if this is not from you, change my heart. And, you know, it, it, you know, I mean, we always supported adoptions. We always supported orphan care. But if you did not call us specifically to adopt, then change my heart. Um, but, Lord, if you have called us to adopt, change choice. And so because I, I didn't want to go someplace dragging him along i wanted him to lead the charge i wanted troy to be the one leading as our family leader as our spiritual leader and him being the one saying yes this is what we're supposed to do um because i know myself i'd be like yeah we'll take everybody you know let's go you know um and so i really and i needed him to kind of be um saying yes to the referral. So that was my prayer for him was that Lord make it very clear to Troy, make it very clear. This is what we're supposed to do. Um, and, uh, and I'll, I want to follow where he is leading because yeah. 
I would what? run over him. <laughs> and just just to kind of overview even this process, uh, you you get initially or you find out about these children, Lynetta and Anderson, um, but then you find out that they had originally been uh, referred to another family. Uh, and that maybe even the opportunity to bring them into your home would, would not be a reality. Uh, there's waiting, there's more waiting. Then you find out that you're able to, to bring them into your home. There's a lot of ups and downs. And, and I would think for a mama who has already gotten attached to these children, the moment you saw them and thought there was that opportunity, these ups and downs were tough and, and were hard. Talk about how, where you found encouragement during all of these ups and downs and how in turn would you encourage other families who may be experiencing the same ups and downs during the season? Um, I think for me, honestly, it was heartbreaking finding out that the, that, you know, we had been told, you know, these kids, well, first of all, I was thrilled that, you know, I told, I just kind of told Troy cautiously, Hey, you know, I'm Brooke called today. We got this potential referral. Um, let's just pray about it. And, you know, you let me know what you think. And, and, uh, and so when he was like, we should do it, I was like, yes. <laughs> and uh, I was so excited, thrilled by that. We sent the email, you know, we started all the paperwork, we made all the changes um, that we needed to make to our dossier, um, to our home study, everything. And then, um, you know, I think it was like three days before Mother's Day, we got, we get the call and it was heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking. Um, I think where I landed, I think, you know, you go through all the emotions of God, I thought this is what you called us to do. Are you sure? Did we hear you right? What, you know, all those questions come into mind, but I think for us, it, it where we landed was, is this was the goal for them to be adopted. And even if it's not in our family and they're not with us, God has given them what, is ultimately the goal and they're going to be in a home if they're going to be with their forever family, they're going to be with people that love them. And that was comforting to me knowing that this is the goal. This is why we're doing this. And, um, we're going to be okay, you know, and God's got a good plan. God's got the best plan uh, for us as a family. And, uh, you know, and I had to kind of come back and revisit that a few times and pray through that and knowing that, you know, God works for our good and for his glory and that we, um, he knows the desires of our heart and he knows us. And I trust, we trust that God was writing our story better than we could ever do it. So I just kind of landed there of they're going to be with a family that loves them. And that's the goal of what we're doing. So if it's not them, then we wait some mm. more. Mm. So. And Troy, I think through all of these ups and downs, um, and I, I love what Jimmy said, that she wanted to see you leading out in this adoption process. All of these ups and downs, February comes around, March comes around of this year, and now we're in the middle of a global pandemic, uh, right towards kind of the finish line of what has been this, this long journey of adoption. Talk about leading your family and encouraging your family to still see the goal when the goal was getting a lot more fuzzy. You know, I think for me, <clears throat> it was just recognizing that every day we woke up, we were one day closer to the kids coming home. 
and just kind of keeping that in front of us. Uh, we watched God from the beginning till the kids got home do some crazy things. And uh, we prayed that he would. We prayed that he would do things that would show others that he was in the process so that they could be encouraged as well, uh, that he would do things that defy logic, defy what we would think is going to happen in a global pandemic on top of everything else. And uh, I don't know if we'll talk about more, but you know, once that COVID hit, it was, oh, no more flights in and out of Haiti. Travel was done. We're at a standstill. You might as well, you know, uh, hang on for a long ride because we don't know when COVID is going to end. Uh, and boom, out of nowhere, we got a flight. And there, there just were several things along the way that reminded me that the path we were on is the path that he had laid out and that we just needed to trust him. You know, I love when he piles up all these strange obstacles and people are like, you know, it's not going to happen. And he's like, oh, well, watch me work now. Now you know it's me. And uh, he, he has done that through the, our process from, uh, you know, just the, the sheer waiting and having the patience and the perseverance to, to go through that. The, the ups and downs of adoption processes, uh, it definitely lives up to the billing um, as, as we get told about how it's going to be. Uh, from the financial component, you know, that, that seemed an insurmountable obstacle to put aside that, that sum of money in that shorter period of time. But he did so many things that were way out of left field, never saw it coming. Uh, so when we started, when COVID hit and it was to me, it was just like, okay, this is just one more thing God's going to plow through. So in leading the family, it was just simply, hey, we're staying the course. Remember all the different mile markers that God gave us, the faith flags that he threw out there for us, the, the reminders that he was in and involved in the process, and, and cling to those and know that he's got something in mind. Uh, even as Jimmy alluded to, you know, in January of 18 is when we were soft matched to Linda and Anderson. And then it was in May that we were told that another family was selected. Well, when we were first offered the soft match, and we prayed about it, as Jimmy alluded to over the weekend, God confirmed to me in a very specific, tangible way that it was okay. Because I was like, okay, are we, we said one, yes to one. Now we're saying yes to two. One's 14, our daughter. And then her little brother, our son, is six. Now. Wow. Wow. On paper, like, holy cow. But God confirmed it in a very specific way that, that this was going to be okay. So later on in May, when it was, we were told, no, went to another family, honestly, deep inside, Herbie, I thought, no, these kids are coming back. I didn't want to give a lot of voice to it because I didn't want to, to create something if I was misunderstanding God uh, for Jimmy. I didn't want to put hope where hope didn't exist. But something just told me, why did he confirm that so specifically on the day that we were told that take it all away. It didn't make sense to me, so I thought, I'm just going to watch and see. And lo and behold, three months or two months later, uh, Brooke made that fabulous call, and we found out, no, that, that family didn't work out, and would we still be interested? And I was like, <laughs> heck yes. And quick thing, if you guys already know this quite well, Brooke is a rock star. Uh, we're so glad that she was part of our process. Yes. 
Raise the roof or broke. Mm-hmm. Well, Jimmy, talk about finding out that, okay, you're in the middle of a global pandemic, and as Troy has so aptly said, hey, just another opportunity for God to show out and get us through mm-hmm. another obstacle. Talk about getting that call and that realization that, that hey, our kids are going to come home in the middle of this global pandemic while everything's shut down. Because this right. was this was months ago when the whole world felt shut down. And all of a sudden, you're going and boarding a plane from Idaho to Fort Lauderdale. Talk about that whole span of events of, of, of realizing our kids are coming home. Well, um, it was surreal. But I- I I had been praying in my mind that my my birthday is like two days from Mother's Day. So I'm like, you know, I celebrate my birthday and Mother's Day together. So I was I had been praying, God, um, you know, it'd be a great birthday gift or a great Mother's Day gift if you let my children come home. I'm just saying if you're taking suggestions, that's my bit. That's what I'm saying. So um, I had packed the kids' bags. I already had a suitcase packed for the kids. Um, and I was doing this in faith um, and this, and you cannot, I mean, Troy was there. He'll tell you, we had a suitcase sitting in our bedroom for probably a month ready to go for when we got the call. So I, I get this message from my friend and our friends who have adopted from Haiti have been amazing. They have just been like, did you see the message on, you know, um, the embassy's website, it looks like they're going to have a flight. And I'm like, what? Wait, no. So I'm like calling Brooke. I'm calling, you know, and I, um, I was like, okay, I, the kid's bag is packed. I'm throwing some stuff into a suitcase for us. I was ready to go. I mean, if Troy would have let me, I would have been parked at the airport overnight saying, okay, I'm ready to go whenever you want to, you know? So, um, for us, it was just the, um, okay, let's go. Let's get it done. What do, what do we need to do? And, I, you know, we were talking about this the other day is I didn't even have time to cry out of excitement or I was just like, let's get it done. There's time for all that later. Let's, <laughs> let's get there. And God was even just so good because we have family that lives in Florida. And so we were able to stay with them and we didn't want to, you know, throw the kids on a plane and then have them get on another plane. So we stayed for a few days in Florida to spend time there with their cousins that they got to know a little bit. And we were just like, what a gift, what a gift. And, um, and, uh, that was really, you know, nice. That wasn't, you know, we weren't, we didn't have that planned. We thought, well, we might stay in a hotel or, you know, but we stayed with family. That was a, a, an expense that we didn't have to worry about or anything like that. Um, but yeah, it was just incredible. It was surreal. I think that's the best way to explain it. And I was, and Troy and I were talking and, um, I think for me, um, the ocean is my special place. It's the place where I feel just, I hear God very clearly. I see God. You can't deny his power and his strength and his might. And, um, and I, when we were at the airport there to get the kids, that same awe that I had or when I, when I go to the ocean, I had there at the airport of just this awe of like COVID couldn't stop them from coming home. Haiti's government couldn't stop them from coming home. You know, government shutdowns and all these things could not stop them from coming home. And I just was like, God, you pardoned the sea for these kids to come home. And the people that had volunteered and had stepped forward and said, um, you know, we're missionaries and we're coming home and, um, we'd love to escort your kids. I was like, what, 
What? I mean, over and over and over again, just seeing God provide for us and for our kids. And they spoke Creole, this this missionary couple. They could communicate with the kids what was going on, what was going to happen, all the things that I thought I would be doing during this process of explaining to them. I was so thankful that they had someone who could speak their language, explaining to them this is what's happening. This is what's going on. It made my mama's heart feel really good knowing they were there with them. Uh, what 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 great imagery. And even as you, you talk about the ocean being that place where you hear the voice of the Lord, I, I think back to Proverbs, uh, Proverbs chapter 8, I think verse 29, where it says that the Lord sets the boundaries and the limits of the sea we see God's sovereignty. We see God's power. Uh, we see God's order at the ocean. I love watching the waves come in and know that God has set that limit, that boundary yes. uh, at the creation of the world. He set the boundary of the sea. And so for families that are in that process, that's a great reminder that the Lord has this thing in the palm of his hands. They might not go exactly the way the Myers process went with with all these miracles but the lord knows that process and he set it forth in his rightful plan and he will bring it to pass and so uh, troy just just as we're kind of closing the story out what are what are encouragements that you would give to other men who maybe have a wife at home that are praying that they would get on board with adoption or who are are, are hesitant about adoption what are some encouragements you would give to men specifically as they lead their family to be open to adoption, foster care, and caring for vulnerable children? I, I think that us men, we, we tend to, and I know I definitely fall into this trap that everything has to be laid out perfectly, and then it makes sense, and this is what we're doing. So I have to be financially prepared. I have, we have to have the right size house. Uh, it has to be the right season in our family's life. Everyone has to be on board. Everything has to be perfect then we know it, it's right. Uh, adoption and jumping in is scary, uh, and I get that part. But God is, I, I, I'm a skeptical person by nature. I'm a realist by nature, and God worked through me. If he can do it through me, I feel like he can do it through anyone. Hmm. Um, God is faithful. And I always knew that in my head, but stepping out in faith like this allowed me to actually see it in real life, real time. And I never would have experienced that. You know, the whole adage about Peter got out of the boat, right? Everyone else stayed in the boat. Well, in this case in my life, I actually got out of the boat where it was uncomfortable, where it was unsafe, where it was unknown. And I truly had to depend on God, but he was enormously faithful in the whole process. And when you're watching for those those moments, and I think it's important to look for them, that God's involved. And hang on to those, journal those, put them in the back of your mind, whatever you got to do, remember that he is, he's seeing it through. And what you see is insurmountable. I can't think of, you know, how many families probably look at three years, four years time, you have to wait, and tens of thousands of dollars that you have to spend. Oh, I, I can't do that. You're going to be surprised. God doesn't say, you know, yeah. let me get everything in order and then you can leave. It's really just take the step. Yeah. I think about Abraham when he was called out. He didn't say where he was going. He just said, you're leaving. And he had to pack everything up and just start moving. And uh, 
again, I knew that in my head and I could give that great advice to someone else and say, I'm with you. But when I had to do it myself, it was scary, but God was there and I would have missed out if I had not taken those steps. And so I am glad that God gave me the, the shove that I needed to push out, out of the window a little bit. And, uh, I got to see him work firsthand and move in our lives and do things that I've never seen him do before. Mm. And I, it is a long process. So I think as the leader, you just reminded everyone we're one day closer. Every day we get up, we are one day closer. Thousands of families, tens of thousands of families have adopted over the years uh, and they did it. They were successful. We're going to be the same. It's going to happen. And there's ups and there's downs, and that's okay. You guys did a great job of preparing us for there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be times of frustration with the paperwork side of things and getting governments to move. At, you know, They move at glacial speeds, and you just have to be ready for that and know that it's going to take time. And then all of a sudden, you get these breakthroughs that you don't expect. And like, where, where did that come from? And, and so it's just trust the process, know what's going to happen, and just lead by encouragement that we're one day closer. Can I say something no. to that? No, I, I crushed it. I, I crushed it. <laughs> well, I'm going to add um, to that real quick. Um, is that I would say through our waiting, too, is that I can't tell you how many times we would surrender adoption to the Lord, like, Lord, we are surrendering this to you. We are giving this to you. This adoption is, if this is what you want, Lord, for us, then make it happen. If not, you know, close this door today. If, you know, I mean, we were just like, because we were in a place of, did we hear God correctly? Because we've waited for so long. Did, were we misunderstood? Were we, you know, did we misunderstand or whatever? And um, every single time, there would be, I think this happened like three times. We, we got um, donations made in our, um, in our account, in our LifeSong account. People made donations. People we didn't even know making donations. And there was a time when our pastor called us the night before we had prayed. We were like, Lord, we're just discouraged. We feel, um, we, we feel like we're not being seen right now, that you're not hearing us. It's not our turn. And we feel really discouraged. And our pastor called us the following day and said, someone made an anonymous donation to you guys' adoption fund um, last night. And we just wanted you to know. And those were the times that we're like, okay, Lord, okay, thank you. Or the card in the mail from a friend saying, I just wanted you to know I had a dream about your kids last night. Or And you're like, who, who are these people? You know, I mean, we just thought it was just us going through it, but I think God showed us one is it had nothing to do with our strength. It had everything to do with what he was going to do. Adoption was his idea, not ours, that um, he loved these kids more than we loved them and he was going to take care of them. And that people were a part of our story. People wanted to be a part of what was happening. And I can't tell you how many times we got prayers, people calling saying, I just feel like I'm supposed to tell you to keep pressing on. Um, God is with you. Um, we're praying for you guys. And I'm like, I haven't talked to you since high school. What's going on? You know, so I mean, literally that happened all the time. And really recognizing that God is encouraging us through 
our body of believers that we are part of and that God was reminding us that this has nothing to do with you. You just put one foot in front of the other. I'm going to show up. I've already got this taken care of. And so I think that was the big thing that I was not expecting that this was so much bigger than us. This was so much bigger than just what we could conceive adoption looking like. This was God's plan all along. And he already had a beautiful story that he was writing and he brought other people into our story that has made it even richer for us, you know, so. Amen. Hey, could I add to Jimmy's ad? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Just that one was thing. Great. <laughs> it was, no, you were amazing. <laughs> Mic my, my drop right there. We could, we could wrap it up now. Um, okay. <laughs> I think one of the, the misnomers we have as Christians is that you know, when we step out to do what we feel like is something good that honors God, that he would be uh, in favor of, that would please him, and, and obviously widows and orphans are top of the list, you feel like things are going to go really smooth because you're doing something that God has said to do. You're, you're obeying, so it's just, he's just going to blaze this easy path. And it's not easy, even though everyone tells you, you think, eh, it's, it's still, you know, we're doing something good. God's going to make it easy. And it's not. Uh, and I think as, as Christians, it's a misnomer we have. And like Jimmy talked about, when in the waiting, you start to get these doubts. Well, maybe I didn't hear God right. Maybe I, this is all in my head. Uh, it was my own desires. And I manifested it as God saying yes. Um, I think that that's where Satan works with his greatest work in us is in those waiting periods. That's when all those doubts start to creep in. Is it ever going to happen? Are we really going to get all the, the ducks in a row? And uh, my experience, and if anyone's listening, considering or in the midst of all this, it's going to happen. God will make a way. Uh, he's already on board. He's told everyone that widows and orphans are top of the list. So it's not a matter of if we're supposed to, it's how we're supposed to. Well, Myers family, one, your story is incredible of how the Lord worked from the very beginning to the very end of your process, ending in the midst of a global pandemic. And what encouragement you've given to us, but also to other families who may be considering adoption and to know it will never go the way that you planned for it to go. Uh, but you will learn so much uh, through the waiting. And so even as we just kind of close this time down, Brooke, I wonder, would you just give us some ways that we could be praying for uh, the people of Haiti, uh, the nation of Haiti, and the country of Haiti? So if we can be praying for the people of Haiti, I think, you know, one consistent prayer that we always just through and share with others is just praying for the gospel of Jesus to be made manifest in the hearts there in Haiti. Um, Catholicism is the number one religion, and Protestantism is, of course, a pretty prevalent religion as well. Um, but you just have a lot of exposure there in a sense, but then with relationship, you know, I think culturally it's kind of the same in um, the South where we are. There's, there is this exposure, but is there relationship? And so I think having that um, experience as being born and raised in the South and being born and raised in the Bible Belt, and then seeing that there are so many people who do learn about Jesus at a young age in Haiti and who might know of who he is, I just have such a desire of praying that they go and enter into relationship with 
him. Um, just as I have that same desire for people all over the world. Um, so just, you know, very simple is that the gospel of Jesus will be made manifest in their hearts and that people will come to know his salvation and his grace and enter into relationship with him. Um, another prayer request, of course, is for the people who are, even before COVID happened, there has been unrest after unrest in the country of Haiti and people living in fear, people who are living um, in pretty immense poverty. And, you know, that's a consistent prayer request as well, is for people who are struggling each and every day of how am I going to make ends meet? You know, even when you peel back the layers of adoption within the country of Haiti, so many times um, children are placed due to financial issues or things of that nature. And just praying for these moms and these dads who are able to be parenting their children right now, that they will have their communities wrap around them and help them as they are caring for their children. And, you know, for those children who um, unfortunately, you know, can't be raised with mom and dad and, and are placed in orphanages, um, that they will be cared well for by the orphanage staff. And if they're placed in a licensed orphan, orphanage, which is called a crush there in Haiti, that they can be paperwork ready so that way they can be adopted, whether it's domestically or internationally, predominantly internationally, um, when you're working within that sector. But, you know, just praying for all of those different elements, um, praying that children will be able to learn of the love of Jesus through those who are caring for them there in Haiti. And then when they get adopted, of course, coming into homes and learning about the love of Jesus, seeing it tangibly displayed in front of them by those who are caring for them. That's a huge burden on my heart for children all over the world, but especially for children in Haiti. Um, and then just praying for people who are working in, in these situations where maybe they're out of work right now. I know I think here in the States, we can certainly relate to that as well, because there have been so many people who have been laid off. And um, that's not just common here. That's common in so many different countries. And it is very common in Haiti right now. We, we know people who have been affected by this personally there. Um, so just praying for those who are wondering where their next meal is going to come from, where their next paycheck is going to come from, when they're going to have work again, you know, just all of those different elements that specifically COVID has kind of brought to the forefront at this time. Yeah, and as we close, Josh, just if folks have heard the Myers story and they're interested in looking up to adoption, what does adoption look like for their family? How can folks uh, get engaged with the adoption process and look to what international adoption can mean for their family? Yeah, that'd be great for um, just, just really appreciate the Myers story today and just the encouragement, I think, for families um, that are called to continue to move forward in that calling. I think a lot of times families do get discouraged when they hear news and they hear, they look at things on the web and, and, but I think at this time is still a good time for families to think and pray and move forward and consider international adoption. One of the biggest reasons that families don't move forward is because of fear, fear of the unknown, fear of the children's needs that they may not be able to care for. That is one of the big reasons that families don't move forward. And we, do our best to help educate and come alongside you with trainings and classes and social workers that come alongside you like Brooke and did with the Myers family to, to support 
so that we can help dispel some of those fears that families may have in moving forward. Also, one of the other major reasons is financial. A lot of times families don't feel like financially they can afford international adoption. And we want to do our best to help make um, that as um, and as an easy a process as it can be, it's never easy. It's sacrificial. There's lots of things that go into the financial aspect of international adoption, but we are continually growing our uh, partnerships and friendships with agencies and groups of people that help families financial. So we, we answer those two questions in something we call the um, the Roadmap to International Adoption. It's a webinar that we do. We do them on Thursdays. Uh, at noon. We do them on every other Sunday night and every third Thursday of the night. You just go to our website, lifelinechild.org, and you can click on events and you can find our webinars there. But the webinar is really an important way to find good, that good information and talk about the process of international adoption. What does that look like for you? So I think webinar is one of the major ways. Also, if families are at the, the point where they do want to go ahead and get more information or talk to someone, um, they can go to our website and fill out our pre-application. It's free. It takes less than five minutes to fill out, and it gives us some really good info about your family and then from that, we can follow up with you with a personal phone call. And even through that, you can schedule a phone call with someone that can get you some really good information. If, if you're really just looking for where to start, lifelinechild.org, and then you can uh, click on adoption and international adoption and get lots of info there. Um, we've reworked some of those pages to get really good info out for our families. So the website, the webinar, and then a personal phone call through filling out the pre-app are ways that people can move forward and, and take the next step. Well, friends, thank you for joining us. And, and what an incredible way to see that the Lord is working. And even during this time of a global pandemic, and even in this time of COVID-19 and all the things that have happened in 2020, what a great reminder that the Lord is still at work as he always has been, no matter the circumstances, as well as that families need uh, need to be in the process because there are children and more children today even that need families for permanence. And so thank you, Myers family. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Brooke, for joining us. And we thank you for joining us for the Defender Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.